WVCW Sports presents The Aftermath. Welcome to this week's edition of The Aftermath, where we will bring you the latest in VCU sports news. Alongside Jackson Krug and Jacob Sexton, I'm Ben Malakoff. It's great to be back here today as we're going to get into the latest of VCU sports all across campus, starting with volleyball. And that is correct, Ben. VCU volleyball is really hot right now. They're currently on a six-game win streak and a 21-game win streak against A-10 opponents. They only had one game this past week on Saturday, October 6th at Davidson. VCU beat a Davidson 3-0 in sets, blasting the Wildcats 75-48. And yeah, you, you basically heard it right there from Jacob. You can clearly tell that the VCU Rams are definitely in a type of rhythm. Uh, very good groove right now, as mentioned by that six-game win streak. And Davidson, who they are not a spectacular team, but... Among A-10 teams, they are in the middle of the pack and the standings there. So the fact that the Rams beat them by that much is a very good sign for VCU Volleyball. And you're definitely correct. It definitely is a good sign right there. And seeing that your star players are still sticking out, um, like Vicky Giromani, uh, just fantastic to watch her uh, grow these past few years in her volleyball and her skills, the way that she's played, and like you were about to mention, but... Her herself being the co A ten player of the week, which is really impressive to know that some things that many things for this VCU volleyball team are rolling really well for them. And it goes back to the talent that VCU has, like you said about Vicky Giovanni. Also, got to look at Junior Gina Tuzello, which she was credited with eight kills and ten points during the match against Davison on Saturday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Gio Marini and Tuzolo. If you ever go to see a VCU volleyball game, you can tell that those two players, Gio Marini and Tuzolo, are by far the most talented individuals on the court. And they generate tons of points, whether that be through kills, spikes, etc. And there's even a statistic where uh, Gio Marini had... 14 kills, two blocks, two aces this week against Davidson. I mean, that that's just dominance at its best. Can't compete with that. Oh, no. And you got to give credit to the offense of VCU Rams, but they're known to wreak havoc. That's the VCU theme for mm-hmm. all athletics is to wreak havoc on mm-hmm. opponents. And you can't talk about havoc without defense. The week before that, Jasmine Sneed was actually named the A-10 Defensive Player of the Week, her second time winning that award. And – with the credit of the defense along with the scoring duo with the scoring duo of Giromani and Tuzello generating most of the VCU points like you said, VCU's undefeated in the A ten right now with a record of five and zero, and they currently mm-hmm. lead in the A ten standings. Mm-hmm. If it, I, if I oh go ahead, Ben. Well I just wanted to say that it can't be overlooked that how well the, some of the freshmen have been playing, like you mentioned er, earlier with Alina Draper. She had a team high sixteen digs in that match when your freshmen are playing that well, you got your seniors playing that well, you have the co-A-10 player of the week, you know a lot of things are going well for the team right there. And that's just something to look even further in the future, that you're going to be good in seasons to come, you're developing right now, and you're having a really good year. Last year we saw that same thing when VCU made it to the 
not necessarily the March Madness tournament for volleyball, but their version of it when they lost to Penn State got a lot of national recognition then, and it just looks like a lot of good things to come for this future VC volleyball team. And, it, go ahead. <laughs> yes, sir. And I think that recognition came into play once again when a few weeks back they had a big game at Dayton, uh, who's usually neck and neck with VCU in terms of volleyball among the A-10 opponents. And VCU went into Dayton, and they managed to take care of business. And I know in a few more weeks there's going to be a rematch here at the Siegel Center between those teams, and that's going to definitely be a highly anticipated matchup. And going back to their, the VCU Rams is continuing on with their amazing hot streak from last year. Let's not forget, last year they won 25 consecutive games going into the tournament before losing to Penn State. And they're not missing a beat this year. They're undefeated against their A-10 opponents. Have a, and they continued that streak from last season as now they have a 21-game win streak against their opponents. And they plan to continue the ability to be one of the more dominant powerhouses in the A-10 for volleyball with games coming up. This Friday on October 12th against Bailey Williams and George Mason at 7 p.m. And then Sunday versus George Washington at 1 p.m. So those are definitely games that you're going to want to look forward to as we watch this VCU volleyball team become one of the more known sports here at VCU, lighting up with VCU basketball right under them. If there was a sport that mm -hmm. I'd want to go to that's not ba basketball, it would Definitely my other choice here would definitely be volleyball because those games are just so interesting mm, to watch in the agree. first place and really just a fun time to go to and a really good team that we have, we've had here these past few seasons and looking at these freshmen, definitely some good seasons to come. We're going to take a quick break here on the aftermath, but when we return, we're going to get into the field hockey talk here at VCU. Stay with us on WVCW Radio. And welcome back to the Aftermath on this Wednesday night. I'm joined by Jacob Sexton and Ben Malikov. And we're here to now discuss field hockey and how the VCU women's team is doing in this field. Right now they're at a 7-5 record, and including a 4-0 perfect record in the A-10 at the moment. So we can sort of see... Uh, shift in the positive direction if you want to go that route mm -hmm. um but jacob you want to talk about what their week was like this week well vcu field hockey they have a seven and five record this year they beat umass over the weekend two to oh they played they plan to play away at saint joseph's on friday at 3 p.m vcu right now is four and oh and eight ten and what can be said about emily McNamara? McNamara. 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 I'm sorry. Emily, she's she's been astounding this year, earning National Player of the Week. She leads the team in scoring, and if I'm not mistaken, she leads in two categories nationally as she's number one in goals and points per game mm. in the NCAA. So she's been pretty astounding thus far this season that is um 
those national those national um, rankings that she's holding right now is really impressive for herself. But just seeing a seven seven and five record on the year, it, it, it tells me that a lot of their teammates are going to have to step up if they want to continue playing and taking advantage of the way that she's playing currently. Um, just some of the way, just you can't lose how how well she's doing, especially when she's in her prime of her college career right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so, but four and zero in the A ten is definitely taking in the right direction, especially as they go into um, get closer to um, the A ten championship. Being able to beat those teams in your conference is so essential if you're not playing as well in the non conference uh, part of your schedule. Yeah, you see that if you look at their resume, we've already beaten the University of Richmond. Uh, that's always a nice win, especially mm-hmm. with the rivalry going on, and. The other wins, you have a win against Old Dominion, a 9-0 shutout of Towson. So, yeah, there are definitely some positive vibes to get from this team, looking at their record and uh, their season schedule so far. But as you guys mentioned, it all comes down to what happens in the A-10 tournament. And hopefully they can keep this positive trend going as the season progresses. And hopefully we come out as A-10 champs. And again, with VCU field hockey, you mentioned teams such as Richmond and Old Dominion. Their win over Old Dominion was the first win for field hockey over a ranked opponent since 2009, as Old Dominion was ranked 11th. And throughout that span in September, they had a four-game winning streak. They outscored opponents 26-5 to in a four-game span. And they also had two A-10 players of the week with Emily being the player of the weekend, let Latina Field being the co-rookie of the week. And they went into Richmond, stomped out the Spiders 7-2, to and then again with that shutout with Townsend 9-0. to that, That's epic. That's epic for a field hockey team that has risen over the years throughout the last couple of years that I've been at VCU. Yeah, it, it's definitely some type of accomplishment especially like you said beating Richmond definitely good not just um not just because they ten play just for their own own recognition knowing that they can beat a ri- such a close rival like that that definitely does a lot to boost a team's um just boost a team's ego i guess you could say and beating Towson 9 to nothing it just continuing down on the right path even if Towson's not in the A10 they're continuing to play that way they're not going to they're not letting up just because it's a non-conference team they're starting to really to really play in the direction of wanting to take that A10 championship game. And I feel like shutouts have to be difficult in field hockey. I mean, scoring goals probably isn't the easiest thing to do, but maintaining shutouts, a 9-0 shutout of Towson and of course as Jacob mentioned, they beat UMass 2-0 over the weekend. So, obviously VCU's defense has been playing very well for the in terms of the field hockey aspects. And maybe that's something that separates them from other A-10 opponents uh, down the road uh, and their goalie play. So emphasis on defense for VCU women's field hockey. And their defense, again, is astounding. Like, even if you look at their losses, like going back to Bucknell, like they outshot them 15-9, to but ended up losing that game 2-3. to And then when they lost to Ryder, it was in overtime. So and the score was 2 to 1. 
So their defense is keeping them in the game. They know how to shoot. They know how to score. And they know how to wreak havoc on the defensive side of the ball. But sometimes a team can get hot. And sometimes you just have an off game. And that's what happened with VCU going into October and later into September. But now I think that they're starting to pick it back up. They're definitely picking it back up. And with Emily McNamara, the way that she's playing on offense and the defense playing just as well, like you mentioned, it's definitely going to be good things on the way for this team as long as they're able to keep it up, not let up, not lose those close games. Because when you have someone playing as well as McNamara is, you definitely don't want to lose that type of hot streak. We're going to take another quick break here on the Aftermath. When we return, we're going to get into the men's basketball section of the show. It's the offseason, but there's still a lot to talk about as we are less than or exactly 10 days away from the black and gold game. Stick with us here on the WVCW Radio Aftermath. Welcome back here with the after, on the Aftermath. I'm Ben Malakoff. With me tonight is Jackson Krug and Jacob Sexton. We're going to get right into the basketball section here. We're 10 days away from the, the black and gold game, the scrimmage that VCU has annually. Always a big hit here in the Richmond area to really tell how this team is going to start off, see how they're looking. A very young VCU basketball team indeed with just one senior a big change from last year, and people are anxious to see who's going to be the leadership on this team, who's going to lead this team mm -hmm. to do better than they did last year, just barely making the first bye week in that A-10 and winning one game in the A-10 uh, conference last year in D.C. And now it's pretty much a whole new look with some new recruits and some transfers, two guys transferring out. As we get closer to the season, VCU will appear on 15 national broadcasts as part of the A-10's conference robust television package, including two of them, I believe, or one of them against Richmond, where they lost both of their games against last year. Definitely going to be a rivalry to look at because VCU is looking to get back at their, their biggest rival, per se. So guys, I want to start off this part of the segment by asking both of your predictions on how you think this VCU basketball team is going to do. Based on everything that we know so far, a lot of new guys. Definitely going to have some freshmen in the starting lineup. Sean Mobley, Marcus Santos Silva, two mm -hmm. sophomores who stood out last year. Now sophomores looking to take on and to take control over this team with their sophomore head coach, Mike Rhodes. Might as well say that it's officially the end of the Shaka Smart era here <laughs> at VCU with the departure of Justin Tillman and Johnny Williams which is playing international ball now. This is a completely new look for VCU. And we have to see players like Durante Jenkins step up. And again, like Mobley aging into the position that he plays. And it's a completely new look for VCU fans. They haven't seen a team without any resemblance to Shaka Smart in a long time. And this, you might as well say, this is officially Mike Rhodes' team now. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. everybody follows what Rhodes says now. Not saying that they didn't last season, but you still have resemblance of Tillman and Williams who went through three coaches in four years. Yeah. 
And Mike Rhodes got to he's got to do something different than what he did last season. The VCU to some fans fell off. They lost more games than what VCU has been accustomed to since the early two since the early 2010s. And I'm just I'm looking forward to see what this young potential can do, but I got to see it to believe it. It's just one of those years for me where everybody's hype and happy about mm-hmm. the young potential of the crew, only one senior, but we just got to see it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So you think this is going to be more of a rebuild year for VCU, kind of getting more fit into what they have going on with just the second-year head coach? Yes, I think it's going to be more so of a rebuild year because last year I was gung-ho, I thought, because Mike Rhodes is coming from a similar background as Shaka Smart actually being, I believe, an assistant coach to him when they were in the Final Four era. I thought that the transition would have been smooth, seamless. It just wasn't like that last year. We saw a completely different game from Justin Tillman. We saw VCU transition over to more of a small ball perspective, and it just didn't click. When you have Richmond sweep you for the first time since God knows when, and then you get decimated by teams like Rhode Island, Give credit that Rhode Island was solid team. One to, yeah, they're they're a very solid team. And two years ago, they had the defensive player in the A10, and yeah. they were a force defensively. So I I just gotta I gotta see the hype this year. So you're waiting on how to see these rookies are going to do these freshmen, how it's going to all develop. Last year, I definitely think that. Johnny Williams was just not accustomed to Mike Rhodes' coaching style at mm-hmm. the very least as a head coach, and it was a little bit slower for him, and it definitely is going to take – it took a year for these guys to get more accustomed mm-hmm. to how he coaches, develop into it, get a feel for it, and now it's been that year. Some guys got a uh, feel for it quicker than others. We saw with Sean Mobley playing really well. Definitely. But now, Jackson, I want to get your take on how you think the season is going to go your early – very early, early prediction <laughs> for this VCU basketball team. Well, as my colleague Jake was just saying, it's definitely a year where you aren't going to have extremely high expectations like in years past, and instead you have to go the more optimistic route. You have to have high, bigger hopes that your team is just going to improve with those young, with that young core that you have now and hope that just something develops within two to three years, whereas instead of focusing on this year. So it's definitely going to require a lot of patience. And that Ben, as you said, you could clearly tell that as Sean Mobley went throughout the season, he, w- he was improving in multiple parts of his game. And he's by far the player that I'm going to be most excited about watching this upcoming season and how that Rhodes offense how that team sort of uh, connects, if you will, what the chemistry is like with all these new players. But my, this is Rhodes's team now. Last year it was not Rhodes's team, but Coach Rhodes, he's now had considerable influence on recruitment, what guys he's got now here in, down in Richmond, and now it all comes down to how this team will coalesce as one. Yeah, I, I really like the point you made there about how it's Rhodes' team now. Mike Rhodes is, is one of the best coaches that I've seen in a while at year-round recruiting. This is a guy who brings his coaching staff to all parts of the United States mm-hmm. to find the best players, not in the country, but best players that are going to fit his scheme, mm-hmm. the way he wants to play. 
So if he thinks that you are going to understand what he has, he understands your potential, he's going to try everything he can to bring you to VCU. And I think that's something that we can continue to look an eye out for as more recruits uh, begin to accept, uh, I, I guess, bids or the contracts to join VCU for next year. But this year, these freshmen are going to be accustomed. These incoming freshmen are, mm -hmm. are accustomed to Mike Rhodes' style because these are these are his recruits. He's a guy that these are the guys that he wants here at VCU to play for him, and already has the style of play that he expects. And even though that I'm considering it a rebuild year, you also got to look at the A10 as a whole. Like University of, of Richmond mm -hmm. had four transferring over to University of Tennessee to be closer to home, and then you have George Mason. Otis Livingston, the second, the premier guard, is in the senior year. So they got to plan for the post-Livingston era. And then even though Rhode Island is still a force to be played with, still a force to be reckoned with, excuse me, they have changing pieces as well. Dayton, they also had the Greek Freak's younger brother depart. So you got to look at the A-10 as a whole. It, it could really be up for grabs. That's a good point. Yeah. Rhode Island had four of their five starters leave their team because four of those five starters were seniors. And Coach Hurley year. isn't there. Coach, Coach Hurley's Hurley. not no longer mm -hmm. there. Exactly. Coach Coach Hurley has left. And like you said, Costas Antimacumpo, he's gone off date. And so this is going to be an A ten that's that's really up for grabs. I think I think um out of nowhere, St. Louis. St. Louis who hasn't really been a team. They have um they've gotten some pretty good uh I think they got a four star that was um that is looking pretty good for them. So this is going to be anybody's conference. Yeah, who knows? It maybe Duquesne could sneak up. St. Bonaventure's always played VCU difficult throughout the last couple of years, going back to the 0 0.4 ticks of a second kind of game. And again, it's anybody's division. It's the A-10 conferences up for grabs for anybody. Mm -hmm. Usually we have that one standout team like how Rhode Island was a standout team last year and everybody predicted Rhode Island to win and then they end up winning it. Don't don't know this year. I it, I just don't know. Maybe it's one of those seasons, one of those years where if I'm Coach Rhodes especially then, if there's no dominant powerhouse in the A-10 and we're, it's a league where everybody is within one or two games within each other, mm -hmm. If I'm Coach Rhodes, then I do not try to exploit any of those secret, uh, strong parts, strengths to your team. Mm -hmm. Because then once you get into the A-10 tournament, these teams are not going to know what you have up your sleeve. And then just like that, VCU ra uh, rallies with a couple wins in the tournament and mm -hmm. they perhaps steal that A-10 championship and get a bid. And to the um, NCAA March Madness. And you also got to look at, going back to what I started out with, with Shaka Smart ever officially being over, they have to go to Texas to play Shaka Smart in Texas. So that will be the final nail in the coffin for the Shaka <laughs> Smart era. And then you also got to look at the non-A-10 teams. They got to go against the number one seed last year in University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Mm -hmm. They got to host Wichita State and the Shockers always manage to shock somebody, no pun intended, but they always manage <laughs> to 
pull out a miraculous win just about every season. And it, there's a couple more interesting games. I- Iona's on the schedule. Iona typically qualifies for the March Madness tournament every year. So uh, that's a home game I know we have in December. That's going to be a very fun game. Are you looking at any other games, Ben, specifically? Uh, well, like you guys said, Texas and UVA are the two big ones for me. I think uh, getting another shot at UVA from last year is mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be huge, as well as um, not just because of Shaka down in Texas, but they lost Mo Bamba. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I love the way that VCU played against Texas last year. I know Chris, Chris Lane mm-hmm. was a big part of that. Don't have Chris Lane anymore. But Marcus Santos Silva, in my opinion, absolutely played played his heart out against Mo Bamba and really showed what he had and impressed a lot of people, including NBA scouts that were watching at that game. So definitely opened up some eyes after after that performance. And going back to what you said a little while ago, Jackson, I I would I personally would rather see VCU play better earlier in the season if it means winning the A ten before that A ten championship game. Okay. Before that conference. Because I think it's I think it's better to be safer than sorry in that situation where where if they can come out on top in first place before that conference before um and the A ten can end up sending two to three teams again, um, I think that would be the best situation. But like we said, like like you said, this is a conference no one knows what's gonna happen this year. No one knows if every team is just going to play like they're all freshmen and sophomores, or like they have some of the best talent across the NCAA. So that's it for the basketball section. We're going to take a quick break here on the aftermath. Stick with us and be sure to turn in, tune in to the WBCW broadcast of men's and women's basketball. All, most of the home games covered here against are at the Siegel Center live for WVCW. You can find them on the site at WVCW.org. Stick with us here. We'll be back in three minutes. And... Welcome back to The Aftermath. You are listening to The Aftermath on WVCW. I'm Jacob Sexton along with Ben Malikoff and Jackson Krug. And we're going to get involved into the men's and women's soccer conversation. Men's soccer is 7-4 on the season, 6-3 and three on the, at home, and 1-1 one and one on the road. They're 3-0 and oh in the conference right now and first place. Only team that's close to them right now is Davidson. They only have one game behind the VCU Rams and the VCU women's team is looking good this season. They have a five and one record in conference play and a 10 and three overall record. So a good time to be a soccer fan or football fan. (laughs) If you're going to VCU. It definitely is seven and four currently on the season is decent, but three and zero in the conference and first place there is always good is always pretty good. As we said earlier, being ahead in the eight ten, always definitely strong, especially coming up with those eight ten with that um eight ten championship coming up. Uh, three game win streak though, only looking up for this uh, men's soccer team so far. Probably an area of improvement could be the amount of goals scored. You see that they're averaging one point six goals a game on the season, and that's all right, I guess you could say for a collegiate soccer level team, but especially for a team that's seven and four. But if you're hoping that this team is able to triumph over all the other A-10 teams, you would like to see at least a good amount of goals scored, either that 
two or three range, I would say. But they got 10.6 shots on per game, which is a good sign. That shows that they're generating offense and maybe the ball just isn't going into the net some days and you just have to fight through those unlucky circumstances. But overall, I think that there are some positive areas that we can that the soccer men's soccer team can specifically look at and improve upon yeah those like you were saying it it's just it's probably just a slump right now for vcu soccer only 1.6 goals a game that's an area you definitely want to see an improvement like you said you're definitely going to want to get over two goals to start winning against these tougher teams and this men's soccer team has always been uh, one of vcu's top sports so definitely just a slump for them at the beginning mid area of this season that they're going to have to find a way to get out of. But three game win streak is something that they should be looking at. And they're doing, they're doing great. I think for losing a player like Luke Facton from last season, like you have players like Saeed Hajai who currently leads the team at points with 17, five goals and seven assists. And Hajai has four game-winning goals, so he's definitely the clutch factor when it comes to the men's soccer team at VCU. And I think that new star on the VCU men's soccer team is Syed Haji. He was just recently voted A-10 Offensive Player of the Week, his second time winning that award this season. And you've also got Mario Sequeira, uh, there's my Spanish minor coming in. Um, he was also voted Defensive Player of the Week, which was his second time in three weeks winning the award. So you've got those explosive players on this men's soccer team too. And I guess in a sport like soccer, you kind of have to lean a little bit heavier on those star players if you want to succeed in this division and come out with wins every now and then. Definitely, and... Again, they have upcoming players like Elijah Lockerbie also being a factor into men's soccer as he's able to create space, can dribble the ball well, and able to distribute to his teammates. And looking on to women's soccer now, the Rams beat Davidson last Thursday with a score of 3-1 to one here at home. Forwards Kelly Graves and Alyssa Talent continued their hot streaks, both scoring goals, and Amanda Treadway scored the final goal from an assist from Talent. So the Ram, but the Rams' seven-game win streak came to an end when they lost to St. Joe's with a score of 0-2. That's a definitely a tough break for them right there. Mm-hmm. The seven-game, uh, especially against an 8-10 rival like St. Joe's, definitely hard. They're they're going to have to find a way to come over that because after going on such a long win streak and then facing facing someone who you need to beat that's so essential in the in your conference mm-hmm. and breaking it right there, it can always be tough overcoming something like that. And with a team that has a ten and three overall record, five and one in conference play, there and with that all being said, they're only third in the A ten. That shows that the women's soccer teams in the A ten are definitely uh, more experienced, have a lot more talent. So therefore, a loss to a team like St. Joe's is going to reflect a little bit poorly on your resume, but. These are the games where you learn more about your team, learn at the obstacles you've got to overcome, and hopefully power through later on in the season and just capitalize on those opportunities. And even though that they lost their first conference game to St. Joe's, 
mind you, they have to turn around and get out of that A10 funk, as in that tomorrow they will have to play Crosstown Rival Richmond That's on national one. TV and then play fourth place Massachusetts on Sunday. So they got to make a quick turnaround. I mean, everybody slips up every once in a while, but they got to turn around. Yeah, and for, fourth place Massachusetts definitely looking to come in here and, and try to take that third place spot right out of VCU's hands. It, it's it's really in the taking for anybody right now. So VCU is definitely going to have to find a way to, to come back from that breaking that seven-game win streak and kind of get back on top of things and be able to take out both of those 8-10 rivals. We're going to take another break here on the Aftermath. Stick with us here as we're going to go into tennis, golf, and track when we return here on WVCW Radio. We are back here to the Aftermath. With my good friends Ben Malakoff and Jacob Sexton, this is Jackson Krug speaking, and now we are talking about men's and women's tennis. This past week, we had a very, or VCU rather, had a very successful week at the Spider Invitational at the University of Richmond. Sophomore Inigo Torre Martin swept his flight with a 4-0 record to win the B singles bracket, as well as sophomore Timo Zgragan won the D singles bracket, also sweeping with a 4-0 record. Overall, the Rams finished with a strong 24-9 record, singles record 18-6, whereas the doubles record was 6-3. So, guys, overall, a pretty strong week by the men's tennis team. Yeah, it's been an overall pretty strong week for the men's team. A 24-9 overall record with singles record of 18-6 and and doubles record of 6-3. VCU men's tennis is typically one of the more overlooked, but I feel like it's always been underappreciated here. Mm-hmm. Like men's and women's, they're always stand out, stand out in singles, stand out in doubles. They're just amazing overall programs. Yeah, definitely. Men's tennis has always been a strong, one of the stronger programs here at VCU, and it's real evident in that twenty-four and nine record. And going into the Richmond Spiders Invitational, it being that dominant, then beating other dominant programs like ECU, especially not even in the main part of the tennis season, which is in spring. So seeing what these uh, tennis players are being able to do now makes us makes me at least very excited for the upcoming men's tennis season. And now they will have a small break. They'll be off until October 18th. And that weekend, there's going to be a tournament at Virginia Tech. So stay tuned for what happens with our men's tennis team there. Off to women's tennis. They were off this past week, but they're scheduled to play in the ITA Regional Championships in Lynchburg this weekend. What else can you tell us about that, Jacob? That the last time the women's team played was in Black in Blacksburg from September 28th to the 30th. Doubles teams Paola Exposito Diaz del Lago and Kanyoko Yano swept the Brotherhood double flight with a perfect 4-0 to winning in the final round with an 8-6 score. Overall, the Rams, they finished 16-11 and with a 11-8 singles record and a 5-3 and doubles record. So still a strong record for the women's team. Both of these tennis teams are have been able to perform really well. 16-11, not a bad record at all. And 
once again, just makes you very excited for what they're going to do when it comes to A-10 play in the spring season. And I think a strong suit from both tennis teams is how well VCU recruits internationally. There are a lot of players on those tennis teams that I've seen who come from all over the place, whether that's from Europe or Latin America. And, I mean, these are top-notch talents. Like, who knows if one day one of these players could be representing their respective countries in Mm -hmm. uh, professional play. Well, we'll now transition over to the golf section. Sophomore Sashin Kumar was named A-10 Golfer of the Week. Congratulations, Sashin, on that uh, prestigious award. And he was named A-10 Golfer of the Week for his play between September 28th and September 30th at the Wildcat Fall Invitational. And outside of Kumar, the A-10 program for golf has been astounding. I believe that they've been in the top three ever since 2015, usually in the A-10. It's been pretty astounding to see the golf program stretch out for this long as Mm -hmm. a premier dominant force in the A-10. So VCU Golf will return to action this weekend at the Blackthorn Club in Johnson City, Tennessee. This is their fourth of five scheduled tournaments for the Rams this fall. Heading into the tournament, Alston Newsom leads the team with an average round score of 71.20, followed by Kumar's averaging 72. Newsom also leads the team with four rounds of par or better. I'm going to tell you guys now, that's a lot better than what I shoot uh, on a daily basis, <laughs> whether I'm golfing. So I may need to take some lessons from Alston there. Now we're going to head down to the track section. VCU track and field is currently halfway into their preseason training. The preseason was cut a few days back because of Hurricane Florence. Training is starting to become a bit more technical and much faster. From August until early October, practice consisted more on the cardiovascular system. Cardio is getting taken away slowly while speed is being added to the workouts. Practice is becoming more specific with each event, and they're hoping to gain just more experience as this season progresses and the players bec- or the athletes become more ready in their respective events. And then you like going back to what you were saying, the workouts are changing. Like for sprinters since October started, they've been putting more power on the track while running. For jumpers, they're adding jump bend runs. For the high jumpers, they bend their runs, been adding to the circuit. And the long and triple jumpers have been focused on their runaway patterns. And hurdles have finally been put on the track. So now the hurdlers are starting to work on their trail and lead leg mobilities. And for the the cross-country side of things, they're in the middle of their season. They completed at the Paul Short Run this past Saturday. The males placed 27th out of 44 in the 8K run. Junior Bryce Catlett led the Rams, placing 22nd out of 299. Senior Michael Villagomez finished 2nd out of the Rams. On the women's side of things, they finished in 43rd place in the 6K run. Emily Mullern finished in the 6th place overall, leading the Rams. And Junior Delaney Savage finished in 32nd place with a time of 22-33. Cross Country goes back on the road October 12th, traveling to Greenville, North Carolina for the ECU Pirate Invitational. So guys, I want to take a quick transition to things. We got about seven minutes left here in the aftermath. We're going to go into looking into the 
UFC section of things, a new addition as some other VCU sports like women's basketball have been a little bit slower. We're going to talk about what happened this week. McGregor and Khabib only getting more interesting as the fight got, went on with their uh, with the post-game uh, interviews and the post-game attractions. So UFC 229 was headlined by Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nuram Gadov, who were fighting for who were fighting, and Khabib ended up winning the fight. Unfortunately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. unfortunately for some, as after the fight, what some say is more interesting when Khabib jumped out of the ring and attacked McGregor's side uh, side of the crew. And then Khabib's crew went inside of the ring and attacked Conor McGregor. Guys, I want to know your thoughts about what happened that night. Crazy. I I mean, the only thing that you can relate to such an event is maybe the malice in the palace between the Detroit Pistons and Indiana Pacers back in, what was it, 2003 or something? Yep, uh, with three. Ron Artest, Steven Jackson, mm-hmm. um, Jermaine O'Neal. But... I, I actually was not able to see any highlights. I don't know if either of you guys were able to see what was happening after the fight. I only was able to see pictures because of copyrights by UFC mm-hmm. and stuff. But I think the one thing to uh, take away from this is that there's going to be a rematch. And I can't wait to see how McGregor responds, how his team, his camp responds to this whole incident. Mm-hmm. With with the post-fight actions, I've heard that McGregor actually wants the instant rematch with Khabib. And Dana White, the president of UFC, is actually trying to talk to the Nevada Athletics Commission to see what are they going to do exactly with McGregor and Khabib because both of them are on visas right now and with both Mm -hmm. of them being two of the biggest UFC stars at the moment. And Khabib being a champion, it's going to be hard to make a draw when two of your most popular fighters might get kicked out of the country. And... It, I don't think the post-fight actions hurt UFC. I think that actually draws more people in. Do oh, definitely. Do I want to yeah. see more of that? No. I want, Once people fight, it's over, you know. But with the personal attacks McGregor did to his family, talking about his religion and his father, I understand why Khabib had the response that he did after making McGregor tap. He actually spat on him. And then... <laughs> people from McGregor's corner was talking negative things to Khabib and that's what caused Khabib to jump over the fence and Dana White even said I didn't even see that coming even though that we prepared for something happening post fight yeah and and Khabib forfeited his own two million dollar check well not forfeited yet but it's still being held by the Nevada Athletics Commission's two million dollars that that he was promised for winning the fight could be possibly gone down the drain just because one could say that he was not able to hold his temper or some others say that he made the right decision, which I don't think many agree with necessarily. McGregor and Khabib are now both suspended 10 days for their actions, which I don't think will affect them too much. But I think we will see a rematch very, not necessarily soon, but sometime within the next year. And I'm looking forward to that rematch. McGregor, from what I heard from Dana White, actually wants a rematch as soon as December. And I'm not sure if it could be a quick turnaround, not because of the physicality part, but just the fact of deciding what Nevada Athletic Commission is going to Mm -hmm. do. 
But I think my overall takeaway from UFC 229 was definitely the post-fight press conference with the beast Derek Lewis, which I'm pretty sure is going to be in the headlines for UFC for a while. Well, we'll take a little bit of a shift back towards the NCAA level. We've got a few modifications with some playoff formatting regarding NCAA wrestling and uh, golf. Um, we have all 33 wrestlers in each weight class in the Division One Wrestling Championships. They're all going to be seeded now, so very much like the NCAA tournament in basketball. And for as well as for golf, there's going to be an aggregate score counting. All five players' scores will begin in 2019. And... Just to mention an update about pro sports with NASCAR, Jimmy Johnson and his crew chief is actually breaking up after the end of this season. Both of them has won five championships together. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how both of them can continue on in their careers and see if they still have the same success without one or without each other as the future goes on. So that's all the time we have on this week's edition for the Aftermath. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back here next week, Wednesday, 8 to 9. Tune in tomorrow for Ramped Up. Thursday, that's every Thursday, 8 to 9, for a pro sports recap-oriented show. But once again, I'm next to Jacob Sexton, uh, Jackson Krug. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Ben Malikoff. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. You're listening to the Aftermath on WVCW Radio.